52 yards should be just a nice, comfortable nine iron for him. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. Yo, yo, welcome in golf fans. It's Farmers Insurance Open Week out at Torrey Pines. Uh, this is the Preferred Lines Podcast. My name is Joe Idoni. You can find me on Twitter at Tour Picks. If you're checking back into the show, we've got a big one tonight. Uh, welcoming in a very special guest here in just a few minutes. I appreciate your support as always. If it's the first time you stopped into this show, um, thanks for checking it out. Go on over to the Preferred Lines YouTube page uh, if you want to get involved in the chat. I love to bring those comments up during the show. A like and a sub, as always, goes a super long way. Uh, I'm also pumped to welcome back one of our longtime sponsors, the Fantasy Golf Pod. Uh, my boys, Chad, Eric, Jish, they run the Golf Guys program on Wednesdays. We support those who support us. Give them a check out. Give them a follow at Fantasy Golf Pod on Twitter. Now, I've got an awesome guest lined up today. It brings me a tremendous honor uh, to welcome into the show for the very first time. He's an insanely, insanely talented golf writer, um, has now upped his game majorly with the video and on-course content to a whole nother level. Um, welcome into the Preferred Lines podcast, Dan Rappaport. What's up, man? Yeah, what's up? Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thrilled to have you join the show. So let's let's get right into it. Um, I have a question right off the bat. So you made an eagle this weekend yeah. in a professional golf tournament. Talk to me about how insanely cool that moment must have been. Yeah, I guess it was before the, the TV coverage started because I didn't see it anywhere on Golf Channel. Um, no, it was, it was funny. I, I bogeyed my first four holes of the day, uh, which was not ideal. Um, I'm a, you know, scratch plus one player. So that was definitely a, like a shock to the system. Um, and the fit, the, my fifth hole today, the 14th hole is dog leg left par four with water all down the left side. I'm trying to hit a cut kind of off this bunker and I pull it. And so I think it's definitely going in the water and it's just amazing how one little break just changes an entire round. If that thing goes in the water, it probably doesn't cross the hazard. I'm probably hitting three. I probably make six, maybe seven. And we're officially spiraling instead. It just clears, so it cuts the corner by a lot. I had like an eight iron in or something for the par five in the bunker, you know, clipped one nicely off the turf to about this far, poured it right in the middle, and we were on our way. So, yeah, it was really, really fun. Um, thanks so much to them for having us. You know, yeah. made it, got it up and down for birdie on the last hole in front of a couple hundred people, which was really, really cool. You know, you're all, you always dream of it as a kid. You know, you make a putt, you thank the crowd, you tip your cap. I actually got to do it. So that was pretty awesome. Uh, it was a great week. Uh, a ton of respect for those women and the grind that they put in because just mentally after one round of tournament golf, you're fried. So to do it, you know, four rounds in a row, city to city, country to country, uh, those women are superhuman. Yeah. So you're coming to us live from sort of the Barstool offices there in New York. Um, it's been really exciting to kind of follow along on your journey with them and sort of like stepping into this world of like on course. It's a crazy content. world, dude. Like it's a crazy how, world. Did it shock you how interested people on the internet are in like you guys playing golf? Oh, a million percent, a million, a million percent. Because, you know, I come from a very traditional journalism background. Um, I went to journalism school for college. Uh, I worked at Sports Illustrated, which is like, you know, the dean of sports journalism. I went to Golf Digest, again, very, like, buttoned up. Um, and I kind of knew that there was this ecosystem of guys playing golf on YouTube that people were really into, and they were getting a lot of subscribers and sponsors. But but when you're not in it and you're not paying attention to it, you, you just don't really get it. 
Um, and so I was stunned at how big of an emphasis YouTube is for us moving forward. I mean, it's a, it's, it's growing like crazy. You know, you see these guys like good, good, like Bob does sports, these brands that are just popping up that are getting hundreds and thousands and millions of subscribers on YouTube. Um, I guess the lesson is that like, you know, when people are working their accounting jobs or their sales job in the middle of winter, they just want to feel like they're out there on the golf course, uh, golf course with their boys. And I guess, you know, hopefully that's sort of what we provide for them. So, yeah, I was I was very surprised. I continue to be very surprised. Um, I knew that I was kind of stepping into a, a crazy environment um, as far as barstool and as far as commenters go. Uh, but the whole thing's just been crazier than, than I could have ever imagined. Yeah, there's something like endearing like because as as just you know a 35 year old man to i'm sure your, your your audience base is huge but when you get to see someone out there who like is is on a somewhat level playing field like you get to see a guy chunk a chip like you would in people and you're giving sort of club and and just the talks in between holes um it's definitely captivating i think more so than you see uh, a lot of times on the coverage yeah and it's 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 crazy how young it is too you know we we got these uh analytics reports or whatever about you know the different audiences and you know i, I would be willing to bet that uh, you know a large percentage of, of of young people in you know sort of that 10 to 18 demographic you know a lot of these people they watch way more golf on youtube than they do on the pga tour yeah. right i mean it's it's not close and so um it's just new media man it's it's trying to to stay up with the times it's trying to to meet people where they are and you know, if that's moving toward YouTube, if that's moving toward kind of more unscripted fly on the wall content, then that's where we'll go because, um, you know, we're, we're entertainers at the end of the day. That's definitely something that I've transitioned into, you know, going from this like hardcore journalist, journalist, journalist to more of an entertainment role. Uh, it's different, but, you know, I'm only 28. So so if I'm a crusty old journalist who can't adapt with the times then my career is not going to last very long. So got to stay with the kids. So talking some professional golf, like you mentioned you guys foreplay good good bob does sports all this um people who are who are legit moving the needle in terms of of people who follow them and people who watch them play golf like as we shift over to talking professional golf how many true like needle movers do we have in market movers that are playing professional golf right now that will people will just no matter the tournament no matter the platform no matter the streaming service no matter the channel people will tune in to watch this guy play golf how many of those guys do you think there are yeah well i was looking at the the ratings for the american express and it appears that john rom is not one of those people because yeah. the ratings weren't very good you know i think it's obviously you're going against the nfl it's not apples to apples sure. but the answer is not many i mean there's one and there's kind of everybody else obviously yeah. tiger is, is still the guy um but if you look at the pip standings i mean i think that's a pretty good indication of at least like a ranking and so i think tiger spieth and rory are the only three guys um on the pga tour you know jt's kind of close but I, I don't know if he's at that tier um where they just transcend the normal golf audience and people who you know maybe flip on the golf coverage when it's convenient for them or you know they just kind of have golf channel on passively in the background you know not guys like you or me who are watching every every minute of pga tour live that they can um i would say that those three guys are the only ones that people are really going to be, oh, it's Jordan Spieth's in the lead. I'm going to watch this. I, I remember looking at this, like the ratings for the Heritage last year when he won were massive. They were massive. And the only real reason there is be, is because of Jordan Spieth. So those three guys, I mean, I suppose Phil, he just is never in contention, really. I mean, the the PGA was was a fever dream and the and the 
ratings were off the charts and people were watching because yeah, if Mickelson's in, in contention, people are going to watch. I just, he's not there consistently enough. He's literally been there like once since 2018 and it was that crazy week and everybody watched. So, you know, you'd say those four, but I don't even know if Mickelson's you know good enough anymore to consider him as someone who's going to be carrying a broadcast on Sundays moving forward. So, the marquee face right now of the PGA Tour, I think, is Rory, right? In terms of, of just overall, like, Tiger's that guy, but he just doesn't play enough. The problem is kind of, I think, they may have an issue with Rory not playing enough either. We're now 14 events into this season. He's played once. Right. Marking this week when he misses the Farmers, that will be nine consecutive PGA Tour tournaments that does not include their biggest star in the game right now. Um, is that a problem for the PGA Tour, and how do they potentially address it? Yeah, it, I mean, it is a problem. First of all, I was very surprised he didn't play Century um, in right. Hawaii. I guess it's a long way to go from Florida. Um He's definitely getting a bag to play this week in Dubai. Uh, that is for sure. Uh, and and remember, they can you know the the DP World Tour can offer uh, can offer uh, appearance fees, and the PGA Tour cannot. So if they're going to pay you a couple hundred grand to go, then you're going to go to that tournament over another one. Um, the it is an issue, but I think you know we're going to have to start to think about this differently. We're going to really have to start to think about the PGA. There's two PGA tours, and this is something that you know is sort of clear this year, but I think will be even clearer next year, where it's like. We're going to have to fundamentally reassess. like the PGA tour for those top guys is no longer going to be this 48 event season. It's going to be these 15 events or 13 events. I think there's 13 that are non-majors and we're just going to have to think of the PGA tour as a much smaller product. Um, that's not a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. And I think those weeks will feel bigger. And I'm very, very much looking forward to uh, Phoenix and LA back to back. You're going to have all the stars playing both events. I think golf will pick up a lot of momentum there. But yeah, I mean, I just we're gonna we're, we're just not gonna think about this stretch of after the after the tour championship really until Phoenix, or I guess until Century. Like that's just not really the PGA Tour anymore in in the classic sense of you know you see the PGA Tour and you expect the biggest players to be there. We now know when they're gonna play and when they're not, and it's you know it's gonna be less events where all of them are together, but hopefully those events are bigger. And because that's that's really where the game grows is not trying to eke out another you know, 20,000 or 30,000 viewers of the American Express, it's going all in on these weeks that already have an identity, that already have a history and already have a legacy. So I want to ask you a little bit about when you, when your correspondence with the players, um, I've long noticed, like going back to the golf digest days that, um, you have a comfort level. It seems like with the players that it maybe. I don't know what it is, but it seems to sort of disarm them from like their robotic answers that they'll give in the media center to a lot of like, you know, quote unquote, the old heads in media. I feel like it's because they can tell that there's like a genuine interest in the game on your end. There's a genuine like almost I don't want to say a fanhood, but you are you're willing to embrace it. You don't want to just like close off and be so guarded that you're not don't have any rooting interest. And I think that that kind of aligns well with you and with Barstool. So you guys are able to get these player interviews where they're giving you real honest answers. Um, have you noticed this as well? And have you gotten any pushback in like the media rooms over the years about how you cover golf? Absolutely. I have. I remember, uh, you know, last year when when Matt Fitzpatrick won the U.S. Open, and that's you know been one of my best friends for like close to a decade now, and I was out there and we were hugging and stuff. And I, yeah, I remember I got back to the media center, and people were like, "You should have seen what the cameras caught you doing." You know, you're going to be in trouble, blah blah blah. You know, I think I think media has changed. I think coverage has changed, and I actually think Bill Simmons is is probably the the hmm. uh, the originator of this. Of like, 
I'm not going to be afraid to have a rooting interest. I'm just going to be transparent about it, right? Yeah. Because no one is no one is unbiased in the entire world. They just hide their bias. Um, but Simmons was the first guy who was like kind of tore down that wall between quote unquote covering a sport and being a fan of it. And I think, you know, it, it's the same as talking to anyone in any walk of life. When someone is passionate about something and someone likes something, that comes off in the way they speak about it. You know, I don't want to read or listen to someone who's complaining all the time about all the things that they hate about golf. And I think there's a lot of that in the media, uh, in the sort of old school golf media of all the, you know, this used to be better when I, in back in my day, and, you know, this was better and this sucks and this course sucks and this player's terrible and it's all about money. And, and I just think there's a pessimism that bleeds through into your work that people just don't want to read. Uh, or or don't want to listen to or don't want to watch. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think I'm I'm young, so I think I can sort of relate to these players. You know, I, I grew up playing competitively. I have a competitive playing background, which I think they also respect. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just not trying to hide, you know, the deal. The deal. I'm basically, you know, I kind of view myself as like, if you gave a, a golf nut and a golf fan this, this incredible access, that's that's what I feel like I'm trying to convey. And I'm trying to convey that excitement to the reader. So I appreciate you saying that. And I hope that never changes. You know, I, I can't say that at 48, I'll have the same um, passion and energy that I have at 28. But let's hope so. Yeah, there's a relatability to it that certainly uh, strikes the chord with a lot of people. So this show, Dan, like we mainly cover golf from a gambling perspective. I know something that Barstool has never shied away from from these sort of talks. Um, oftentimes, the most hardcore fans and the people that are watching featured groups on a Thursday at 8 a.m. is a large portion of this sort of gambling population and fantasy guys. Now, um, fantasy football and gambling like added rocket fuel to the NFL. And I feel like we're on the precipice of that with the PGA Tour and professional golf. It can be like a vehicle for for semi-casual fans that uh, want a rooting interest, that they want eyeballs on the game. But I feel like the tour has sort of stepped into it, but very casually. So my problem with a lot of the coverage and and what they talk about in terms of gambling and DFS is there's a large portion of their audience, I feel like, that just doesn't care about it, right? That that, that doesn't care about gambling odds, doesn't care about, you know, fantasy lineups and all this stuff. Then there is a portion that is, and the the I guess the the group that's covering it you can sense there's some insincerity to it. There's a little bit of fakeness to it that doesn't ring true with those people. So ultimately, it's not for anyone at that point. The real gamblers can sense a fish and the other people don't care about it. What what do you think is coming in terms of providing a better product to this group of viewers that is probably their most hardcore and loyal group of fans right now? Uh, it's a really good point that you're making um, because I, you know, I was looking at again. We're talking a lot about ratings, but they are sort of indicative of interest. Uh, and ESPN Plus ratings are like up like crazy from the year before, and that's mm-hmm. that's the core fan. You're right. You're right. You need if you're going to talk about gambling, you need someone who knows how to talk about gambling. And so when you're giving these guys these odds that they don't understand, um, it's clear as day that they don't know what they're talking about and they don't really care what they're talking about um maybe i you know i I really do think that the future of sports coverage and and i know barstool believes this too is these sort of manning casts is these sort of alternate feeds where you know you get a guy like yourself you get a guy like rick gaiman you get a guy who's really really all in on the gambling space or a pat mayo and you let them go um, and you let them build their own audience and then and it's sort of the pga tour meets the kind of on course barstooly bob does sports vibe that we were talking about where people just feel like they're part of a community um so i think having these sort of gambling specific broadcasts whether that's just a stream or a little toggle on espn plus 
I think that's sort of the future because the tour is getting there. They're, I mean, I think they're opening a sports book uh, at TBC Scottsdale. Yes. They've got all of these different official gambling partners. They're getting there. The coverage is just is just a little bit behind. I think there's also red tape as far as, you know, gambling still not legal in every state. So there's only, you know, there are rules about what they can talk about. And but, you know, I, I do think these sort of Manning cast uh, type broadcasts are the future of sports really across the board. You saw Pat McAfee had one, I think, for the yeah. college national championship. Um, the yes. Manning cast is obviously super successful for Monday Night Football. Um, so I think continuing to, to infuse this fan aspect and to, to let's just not pretend like we don't know what's going on. And by that, I mean, let's not turn a blind eye to, like you said, this massive segment of the audience whose primary interest is the wagering. I'm glad you said that because I totally agree. Having a dedicated sort of stream or a feed um, that is just focused on Who's going to make the cut? Like, where's that cut line at Friday? That's one of the most, um, like, thrilling parts of all this that I feel like they fail to cover in many aspects is um, the cut sweat on Friday afternoon. So I think you're yeah, spot I mean, the, on there. The, the product is changing. Like, golf is changing. You saw today TGL. Um, yeah. We got some more details about what that's going to look like. You know, I'm sure there's going to be a gambling component of that. You know, mm -hmm. Liv is forcing the PGA Tour to try things. Uh, and so I wouldn't be surprised if some of these things that we're talking about, that seemed so far-fetched just 12 months ago uh happened pretty quickly yeah so we got the announcement uh a few hours ago i believe of the the live schedule we got the announcement about four or five days ago about the the deal with the cw um how does this impact their growth is this going to i mean obviously they get on a, on a lot of american televisions right um does this how does this impact you know they've kind of positioned themselves as the global tour i feel like and really going after mm -hmm. that market but the CW, from my understanding, is only available within the U.S. So how are they Are they still going to be able to have streams? Are they still going to yeah. have YouTube? Yeah, I don't think they're going to have YouTube, but they've already had uh, distribution partners in different countries. I think the CW is just their American deal. Um, but you're right. They, they have been kind of positioning themselves as the international tour, signing a lot of international players and pitching themselves as sort of the international flavor to the very U.S.-centric PGA Tour. And yet eight of the 14 events are in the United States. So it's really only six events that are international um look there's two ways of looking about this uh, at this right just like everything you can look at sort of the pro live angle and you can live look at sort of the live skeptic angle if you look at the pro live angle well they've got 14 events right eight of which are in the united states they've signed a bunch of really good players and they're on broadcast television this is not cable so anyone with tv gets the cw on the other hand Simply being on television doesn't mean that people are going to watch it because YouTube is available to basically everyone with an internet connection in the United States and their numbers were terrible. Um, I don't think anyone would argue that their numbers weren't terrible, the live stream on YouTube. So look, man, we'll see. We'll see. It'll be really interesting to see um, what companies air commercials during this because Liv still doesn't have any corporate sponsors that I know of. Um, I think one interesting wrinkle, wrinkle is that Liv or that the CW does not get a Nielsen rating. Uh, on the on the times when Liv's going to be out there. So we're probably not going to find out how many people are watching. But look, they have all the boxes checked now of a real yeah. sports league. You have a TV deal, you have players, you have events. Um, I remain skeptical, very skeptical, that they will ever recoup this uh, these billions of dollars that they have spent to secure these players. But again, if that's not the goal, uh, or if that's a secondary goal, then they can certainly afford to bankroll this thing for a few more years. But yeah, so they, they released their schedule. 
Uh, Norman's position seems to be actually strengthened. There was some, yes. you know, there was some question about maybe he would be leaving or they were targeting a more traditional CEO. Well, it turns out Majed, the guy who was kind of calling the shots behind the scenes, is gone. So that's now three executives from their first season who are now gone. Norman is still there. Uh, and Liv rolls on. You know, it's still about a month until they get their season going at Mayakoba. But, you know, at this point now, there's no there's no more of this, oh, once we get a TV deal or once we get this in place now, like Liv is a very real thing. They've accomplished a ton in 12 months, and they deserve a lot of credit for that from a logistical standpoint, getting this deal done, getting all these players, staging these tournaments. Um, but now there's no more caveats. We're, we're going we're gonna to really see these things go toe-to-toe the same weekend a lot. You're going to have you know, a PJ Tour event that's on CBS, and you're going to be able to flip up just a couple channels and watch live on the CW. So we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, see, uh, we'll see how this works. Yeah, it's interesting because like the jokes kind of made themselves right when totally. they first announced the CW and they're they're not synonymous in any way whatsoever with I'm going to go to the CW to watch a sporting event. Um, but like at the same time, like I said that and you can make the jokes. And then at the same time, like you've got a PGA Tour event with more top 20 players that's ever been at this event in a while with John Rahm in the final group. And you can't really watch it until they're on like the fifth hole and it's on ESPN plus and they aren't really covering them. So it's, it's while it was easy to poke fun at it, there's a way I think in an Avenue where they can get it right. Um, And it's just a matter of time to see if that, that actually plays out. You know, there, that's the dirty little secret about, live last year is that the broadcast for if you were watching were actually pretty good yes i mean it was a lot of go- it was a lot of golf shots and obviously with oh. no commercial with no commercials you don't have to worry about it and you got yeah. one broadcast window you're not you're not missing anything you're not you don't have to follow on your phone um so we'll see if they keep that sort of you know democratic approach and they won't they, they won't be able to because they're gonna have to show commercials that's the only way that they're gonna make money on this broadcast deal but um you know i think the the, the broadcast last year was very friend friendly for sure yeah, so if if there wasn't enough going on in the golf world, we're about to get this another shot of adrenaline here in like three weeks, hopefully as a positive thing. Um, golf Twitter is absolutely buzzing about full swing dropping on Netflix. You've got the infamous voiceover in the promo <laughs> video. Um, have you seen any rough cuts? Can you give us any insight? And here's my real question. Is this a show for us, like me, like hardcore golf fan, or is this a show no. for like my buddies and my wife? Yeah, it's more for your buddies and your wife. I think they're counting on you watching no matter what, which I yeah. suspect is true. Um, <laughs> people who love golf are going to watch this no matter what because it's golf content on Netflix. We've never had that before. But no, I, the answer is yes. I've seen some. I've seen some rough cuts. And look, you know, Netflix came in with a with an edict of you know someone who has no knowledge of golf needs to be able to watch and enjoy the show. Uh, if you watched, uh, I don't know if you watched Breakpoint, but it was the the tennis show that just went on Netflix, the mm-hmm. same production company, Box to Box. And in the first episode, they're explaining how the score works. I think there's going to be some similar stuff in full swing. I think they're going to have to teach people what a par is or teach people, you know, how the PGA Tour works and that there, there are four rounds and that, you know, your score is not final until you play all four rounds. Um, but But I think that's a good thing because... Yeah. The measure of this show is not going to be whether you or I watch. The measure, the measure of this show is whether we can appeal to those uh, who don't watch the PGA Tour. And that's that's the breakaway success that we've seen from Drive to Survive and from Formula One was you had all these sports fans who love sports, who had no exposure to Formula One. And these people are now hooked. Uh, golf is trying to catch a little bit of that wave. 
I hope they do. I noticed. So um, you had the voiceover line, which was which was like, uh, excuse me if I get this wrong, but like winning golf tournaments is really hard. Have you seen true, this guy John true. Rom lately? By the way, it's true, factually correct. I have seen this guy John Rom. He is doing his best to uh, to make that statement look really foolish. This is a look. This is a guy who you know. I remember the, my favorite story about John Rom is that when he turned pro, Phil Mickelson told the Taylor made or someone Taylor made said that they felt that they had just signed a top five player in the world and the guy was still an amateur. Uh, he was that good. I think he finished like fourth in his in that in Tory as an amateur when he was in college. Uh, this has always been a guy who's 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 been touted as as someone who's going to win multiple major championships. Um, he's still stuck on one, but the the form that he's showing so far this year, you know, I think last year there were three guys who kind of separated themselves uh, in Scotty, Rory, and Cam Smith. You know, we're only one month into the season, and Cam Smith hasn't played yet, and neither has Rory, but. You can't have a best in the world conversation right now without starting and probably finishing with John Rob. Absolutely. Um, four out of the last six, like you mentioned. But here's like here's the weird thing. He's still third in the OWGR. He can't crack the top two. And they I remember this putt they showed of Scotty Scheffler like late on Sunday on 18, which was like to 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 go to number one in the world, like he had to finish ninth. And it feels like it should have been so much more of a story that like John Rahm is on this run. Like if, if North Carolina beats Duke and beats all these other top seeds, they're ranked number one. It, I feel like this problem has been boiling with the OWGR. Let's say there was like an old school associated press poll, right? And you yeah. had votes, Dan Rappaport, like, give me your, who are your top five guys on the planet right now? I think you have to start with Rom just because, I mean, the other, you don't want to choose against Rory because last time he was playing, it was Rory, but you know, he's, he's not playing, so we have nothing to go off of. Um, I think those three guys are probably like one, two, no, there's four, I guess. Yeah, you'd say you'd have to say Rom number one. I would probably say, I would probably say Rory number two, Cam number three, and Scotty number four, just because Scotty has been playing a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and hasn't been winning. Um, Number five, it would be a good question. Um, you know, I'm always a, a big believer in Justin Thomas. I feel like he's just been one of the more. I know he, I saw he dropped all, but I think he's down to number nine in the world right now. Um, but you know, Cantlay, I think is number five, which I, you know, I, I find to be a little bit inflated just because I, I, you know, he hasn't doesn't quite do it in the big events enough for me. So if I had to choose five guys, you know, you're going to a, a turn nondescript tournament somewhere. Uh, those would be my five. You got you got Rom number one. Rory, number two, Cam Smith, number three, Scotty, number four, and I would take JT, number five. Yeah, I like JT a lot. I hope that he has a big year. I really think that um, he holds a very important role in, in right now in this boost in golf popularity within the U.S. He's charismatic. He's unbelievably witty on Twitter. Like, he's got a great look. He's he's awesome in the format of a Ryder cup or a president's cup. Like he's, he's everything a competitive People like him. He's like friends with, you know, he's friends with Brady. He's friends with tiger. Like right. he definitely, he's definitely a cool dude. I would love to see him. Like it's, it's kind of shocking that you see him like, you know, he's, he's, he's not very like, he doesn't have a ton of followers. Like you got almost like a third of the followers that Justin Thomas does. It would be nice to see him sort of take on this role of the face of American golf for the next five years and really kind of, uh, you know, step on the throne a little bit. I think he will. I think he will. You know, it's it's just about winning major championships, you know, and he added a second one. But, you know, I yeah. think I think Justin Thomas is one more major away from from elevating into that sort of 
you know, Spieth, Rory Tier that we talked about where, where he is a, moodle, a, a needle mover. Um, you know, as his buddy Tiger Woods said, winning winning solves everything. So just start out with a couple wins, you know, maybe take one down in April in, in, in Georgia somewhere and, and, you know, watch your profile skyrocket. Yeah. I have a question about a player to ask you and just see if you've heard anything on him. Daniel Berger. Are we dealing with an injury here? Are we on the? Are, is he coming back in the couple of weeks? Have you heard anything in your circles about what's going on with Berger? I haven't heard much. It's a name that I that I kind of haven't heard recently. Yeah. Um, you know, no, he was struggling with injuries last year. He's, he's had some issues before. I don't know what the deal is. Uh, I'm guessing he's not in the field this week again. No, is that right? Yeah, don't know. Don't really know. You know, maybe yeah. maybe he's someone that. I really have no, I don't want to speculate with Liv. I have no idea. Uh, haven't have just have not heard that name very much um, recently. Yeah, same here. Um, all right, so we're going to get over to the the sort of the betting board on the farmers. I'm going to kind of, I appreciate your time, Dan. I know you've got, uh, you've got tickets to see a Rangers game. Um, it was incredible to have you on. Thank you for, for joining Preferred Lines. Uh, look forward to continuing to follow you. And, and when's the next four play drop? Who do you got coming on? Uh, we've got one coming on. I don't know when this goes live, but we got one on, on tomorrow on Tuesday, uh, with Larry Fitzgerald. So that'll be a fun one. Awesome. We interviewed him. We interviewed him down in Orlando. The guy is an absolute golf nut. Uh, he's a member at Seminole. He made a hole in one at Seminole while playing with Barack Obama. So oh, he's geez. got some, he's got a, a hell of a, a hell of a bag of stories. He ran you through a gambit on the pickleball courts. Too? Oh my God. He put me, uh, dude, I'm still sore. I'm actually still sore. It's, it's pretty, it's pathetic given my age, but I am still sore because uh, singles pickleball is just so different from, I mean, I've played doubles pickleball. It's chill. You know, you're half yeah. the court. It's small to begin with. Singles is like cutting and cutting and cutting and bending and cutting. And uh, I need to get back in the gym. Well, electric stuff last week in Orlando with the Eagle. Um, continue to do your thing, man. Uh, I, I genuinely ap appreciate you coming on and, and we'll always support your stuff. So thanks a lot, Dan. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Happy to do it. Thanks, Joe. All right, see you, buddy. All right, all right. Thank you. Uh, we ran that interview uh, about an hour ago or so um, because Dan had to run and do, uh, like I said, he's going to the Rangers game. So um, it was awesome to get him in here. Thankful, thankful for you guys for checking it out. I tried to pull up as many of your, your comments in the um, – you know, as they came in through Twitter. So thank you all for checking the pod out over there. Brent, Ted, um, Dan, Brandon, Nick Hardy wins this weekend. That's a ballsy take, buddy. Okay, um, let's go ahead and pull up the board. Farmers, uh, I'm not going to go too much into the uh, course preview. My boy Andy did a fantastic, like, hour-long podcast on Tory Pines. John has the best write-up in sports over there on Tory Pines. It's all for free on his page at PGA Tout. Uh, check them out. We know the course. We know what to expect. So here's the like one narrative I just want to touch on real quick. Um, there is going to be a massive sort of group think going on this week because we know Tory, right? We know what it is. And I think that you have to understand with that, what are you playing? Are you playing an outright market? Are you playing fantasy? Are you trying to find guys to top 40? Um, are you doing head-to-head? -head, like, what are you doing? So I think for the purpose of this show with an outright betting show, it's okay to accept a groupthink narrative. It's proven um, to be indicative and corollary to success, certain attributes, certain stats, certain analytics. Uh, if you're playing a 90,000-person a, a GPP on, on DFS, um, you may need to avoid some of those narratives and hope for a, a Snedeker outlier year where 
you know, the everyone's shooting 80 and he can get in early and something crazy happens. I think from an outright perspective, it's important to attack the angles that we know are true. Driving distance, long irons, around the green game. Um, if you kind of stick to those three game, those three sort of areas and, and understanding that 11 out of the last 13 winners have come at, at 55 to 1 odds or lower. There's a certain portion of the odds board that you can kind of eliminate uh, essentially right off the bat. All right, so let's go back to the top of the board here. Rom, um, I hear a train coming. It's still coming. He's plus 450. I joked last week he was approaching Tiger odds range. Um, it's getting there. Here's the problem, in my opinion, with these next guys. So Xander's 12 to 1, Finau 14 to 1, JT 16 to 1, Morikawa 18, Will Zalatoris 18. So when Rom went from like plus 650 or 7 to 1 or whatever he was going to be a week ago in this field to 4 to 1, he's plus 390 on FanDuel, which is like those are the odds you get in the second round when he's up three, plus 390. Uh, plus 350 at Caesar Sportsbook. Unbelievable numbers. Those next tier of guys didn't really get that bump. Um, so when he was shortened by three points, I don't think you got three more points on Xander. He wasn't going to be nine to one. I don't think you got three more points or five more points on Finau. Um, it, that's where I'm a little bit shook here. Here's the thing. I bet Colin Morikawa, and I never, like you guys know this, I, I don't really go there with Colin. The putting is always so worrisome to me. Um, but he's had a good run at Torrey. The year that it was the U.S. Open, which I think this year could play very tough. They've seen more rain here. PGA Splits had a great write-up on it um, about how the rough is going to be thicker and juicier than we're used to. Total driving, distance, and accuracy, he ranks out really well. And the the approach play is is astonishing from the proximity ranges. Um, you look at the, the number of shots you're going to have over 150 yards this week, particularly 200-plus yards. One-third of your shots are about going to be 200 yards, which is well above the tour average. Um, he's 10th there. He's 20th in 175 to 200. He's first in 150 to 175. Of all the guys in the field from 150 to 250 yards, he's the best player in the field. Um, well above John Rahm's numbers, actually. So um, I like Colin this week. I think at 18 to 1, I believe I got a 16 plus 1650 or something like that um that's the number that i like that's where i'm going i'm considering wills alatoris i'm close i read some things that that tory is his favorite course and stop on the pga tour that he thinks he's going to win here the long iron play the distance 7700 yards seems to be a will z type course um depending on how the rest of the card shakes out i'll put that out tomorrow you know, we'll see how that kind of goes. Brett mentions uh, Jock Market Week. Yes, um, if you are into Jock Market, uh, please hit me up. I would love to kind of talk you through it if you want to. If you want to sort of try that out, um, Rick and I will have the Jock Market Power Hour show, which goes live every Wednesday. Be moved up a day, so that's going to go live tomorrow night at eight fifteen because of obviously the Wednesday week early start. Okay. Sung JM, 22 to 1. Jason Day, a lot of love at 25 to 1. A lot of good reason for it. He looked fantastic. I don't love course history as a narrative here. Um, and here's why. Uh, when Jason Day was, was winning here, he was a top five player in the world. When Justin Rose was winning here, he was a top five player in the world. 
Um, even going back to Snedeker was one of the best players in the world. Alex Noren, when he competed here, was was the best he has ever done on a PGA Tour. So the best players are going to show up. Now, is Jason Day what he was in 2016? No. Um, 25 to 1 is is too short of a price to play on Jason Day. Home is 25 to 1. Montgomery, we were close last week, except for that par five. Uh, 30 to 1. Mav McNeely, 35 to 1. Here's the bet, guys. Um, it's Hideki at 40 to 1. Um, I don't want to look at stats. I want to look at what my brain knows. And I know that he's long off the tee. He's got plenty of distance. He's been working on getting longer. Um, he's got extra in the bag. I know that he's one of the premium ball strikers with a four, five, six, seven iron that there are in the world. I know that he's got exquisite short game and touch. He's one in Augusta. He's one at waste management. These are places that are the hardest in the world to chip and, to chip and pitch at. Um, and he's 40 to one. He's been at Tory. Uh, I saw his caddy posted some photos last week of him practicing. Um, the numbers outrageous. I would take it all the way down. Um, 28 to 30 to one. I still think it's a good bet of all the guys on the board. He doesn't belong below Mav McNeely. Who's never won. He doesn't belong below Jason day. Who's in a hot run. It's a decky. Uh, let's take the 40. Okay. Uh, Siwoo Kim is like not a bad, if a decky wasn't there, Siwoo Kim is not a bad bet at 45 to one. Um, Sahith is 50 to one way too inaccurate. Um, don't love his, his numbers with long iron play. It's, it's just not a great week. JJ spawns intriguing. Justin Rose is intriguing at 60 to one. See, I'm inclined to say I'd pass on Jason day and take, 2.5 X on the price on Justin Rose. I put the tweet out last week, a poll. Who would you rather have? Um, I think it was like 83% Jason day. Uh, if you're playing fantasy, you may want to consider Justin Rose in that market. Cam Davis is probably going to get my money because 66 to one is out there right now on bet MGM. The problem is, is I don't have bet MGM. The, the number that I'm looking at is 45 to one, but that typically will reset on Tuesday. Uh, if I can see 55 or 60, I'm going to make that bet. Uh, has top probably seven or eight in the field in driving distance. It's good enough with long irons. He's tidy around the greens. He's a good putter. I think that he's going to win a big boy event. And this is a, this is a good spot for that. Keegan, seen a lot of love on Keegan, uh, 66 to 1 this week. Let me just pull up. I'm just pulling up some strokes gain numbers in the last, like, 36 rounds just to kind of see if he's taking a dip because he was on such a phenomenal ball striking run um, up through probably, like, the U.S. Open where he was number one in the field. Right now, um Strokes game ball striking 50th in the field. So that's definitely sort of tapering off. The short game is 87th around the green is 121st. Yeah, he's he's definitely um, I'd rather have him on that that other side. Taylor Pendrith is interesting. Um, I think this is a good course for him. Would like to see some more positive signs through the fall, though. I'm not quite there yet. Um, this is when you start to get in the range. You guys know I love long shots. I don't think this is a week to bet them. I know Luke List happened at 80 to 1 last year. I know Scott, where's Scott Stallings, by the way? Scott Stallings is 140 to 1. This is, this is, 
a, a flyer top 10. Um, probably not the 140 to one number, although I, I'm not going to hate on you if you throw 10 bucks on it and he finds himself in contention. It gives you a good position to sort of hedge out of if you like playing that way. He's got a first here. He's got the win here, which he was like 250 to one. He's got a second here, I believe, the following year. Now, hasn't played great here since. I think of the new version of Scott Stallings. We know he's powerful, but he's more of a really like touch, nice wedge player now. Um, I don't love his long irons, but it's hard to ignore that kind of number. Uh, ben Griffin's been playing fantastic. Speaking of jock market, if you've played jock market, um, number one in ROI over the last like 10 events, he's basically doubling his his price. So if you get shares of Ben Griffin at $3 per share, which he's been about average, you're doubling that week in and week out. He's just been printing money. There's Nick Hardy. Um, I forget Nick Hardy. Brandon said he likes Nick Hardy. Um, if you got a good reason why, sell me on it. I'm happy to hear about it. Steven Yeager's been playing fantastic. There's one guy I just wanted to mention. I don't think any of these guys are winning for the record. Uh, Brent said he had 11 to 1 each way on Taylor Montgomery. That's not bad. Where is he? Matty Schmidt. So I was looking into Matty Schmidt and watching him a little bit. Last week was his best tour finish at sixth, I believe, um, which was at the American Express. Best PGA Tour finish. Young player. Driving distance? I You don't know it when you look at the guy, um, and I would have never seen it, but I believe he's second in this field in driving distance uh, this year so far. He's a bomber. Um, Burmeester's getting love. Dietrich's getting love for being a bomber. Matty Schmid is 250 to 1. I think you can get like a solid top 40 number on him, and if the rough is really bad, we've seen this at Torrey before at the U.S. Open. We've seen it at places like Wingfoot. We've seen it at places like Quail Hollow um, with these paper-thin fairways that you've got to hit. The, basically, the idea is everyone's going to miss it, right? So it's it's a hugely advantageous to have 180 yards in and be a guy who can hit it far and hit a 7-iron there versus having 210 in and got to hit a 4-iron. Um, Elementary stuff. You guys know the deal. Um, Schmidt, I don't mind. Callum Terrence, 275 to one. He's up there in distance. Um, those are the, the like you stick to your narratives about guys if you're going in that bomb range. Um, so to recap, for me, I bet Colin Morikawa. I love Hideki. Those are my two guys in as of this moment. Considering Cam Davis probably will get there on Will Zalatoris. Keep a nice tight card under 55 to one. Um, I, this this show has been long. I hope that you guys enjoyed the segment I did with Dan Rappaport. I thought that it was super compelling to get some insight from him. We touched on a lot of topics. Um, let's enjoy like this is this the course rotation season. We got one more week of it. We're having eight courses over the span of three weeks, which is tough. Um, but I appreciate you guys hanging with me and supporting the show as always. Make sure to please, if you enjoyed anything tonight, um, give it a subscribe on the YouTube page. I've got a, I've got big goals and I, I've got something I'm really pushing towards. So, um, help me out there. If you can spread the word and tell a friend about this show, I would greatly appreciate that as well. Um, as always, thank you guys have 
great week and good luck this week at the Farmers Insurance Open. Enjoy Tory Pines. I will be back live tomorrow night for the Jack Market Power Hour with Rick Gaiman. Have to mention the tour junkie stuff before I get out of here. So if you're in the Nut Hut, it's like $2 a week. That is their paid sort of behind the paywall stuff. I've been putting exclusive picks there on top 10s, top 40s, and matchups. 11-2 and two in matchups on the season right now. Um, your boy is red hot. Get over there for two bucks. You can check out Joe's Smoke Lounge and maybe hit a couple more matchups with me. Those will be out. Have a great week once again. Um, thanks for the support. Peace.